This is episode 22 with Marty Vids and me, Brett Robbo. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. This is a bonus episode because I'm often asked by listeners about my challenges, my views, and my mindset. I'm cautious when I have my guests on that I don't talk too much. The purpose of getting the inspirational and influential humans on that I do is for them to provide their abundance of value. Yes, I do put in my views and philosophies throughout the chats, but I do try to keep it minimal so we keep the knowledge bombs flowing. So instead of me doing solo episodes just talking at you about my personal challenges and views and mindsets, I thought it would be more powerful to hear how I answer questions when I'm on the other end. Marty Vids, who is interviewing me, is a very successful business owner and was managing director at Mortgage 500 for over six years, which was awarded Brokerage of the Year under his helm. He also is a podcaster and a business mentor. I wanted to share this episode with you because I found his line of questioning unique to me and he asked me some questions I've never thought about before and allowed me to dive deep into some areas I'm very passionate about. Mahadi's just a genuine legend. We connected because I had been listening to his podcast and absolutely loved the interview he did with Ironman champion Trevor Hendy. So I reached out to Marty on Facebook and asked if we could meet for a coffee while I was in his home territory in Queensland earlier in the year. Because I love connecting with great humans, as you know, especially when we're on similar journeys, and I wanted to talk podcasting with him, and that turned into him interviewing me in my cousin's garage. So in this episode, you will learn the tools to create a resilient and winning mindset, the foundations of empathy and compassion as human connection states, how to turn adversity into advantage, and how exposing your vulnerabilities can be your greatest asset. Sometimes in life, you meet a person that just has that X factor. And you can't quite pinpoint what it is. But when you first meet them, you feel like you've known them for your whole life. And then you start to realise that everyone that meets this person feels the same. Brett Robbo Robinson is a high-performance coach that takes para-Olympians all the way to gold medals. He knows what success is, he knows what it takes, and he also knows how to deal with adversity in a positive way to get great results. This interview is filled with tremendous strategies on how to get the best out of your life. You'll be inspired, you'll be brought to tears, and you'll come out the other side just an absolutely invigorated person ready to take on any goal you want to. So enjoy the podcast and on with the show. Hello, it's Marty Vids here and welcome back to the show. And today I have the interesting and very remarkable Brett Robbo Robinson. Welcome to the show, Robbo. Marty, I'm so grateful to be in your presence. I'm excited to what's going to unfold. You and I have just had some amazing conversations. We probably should have been recording the whole thing. Yeah, we're on a, we're on a very similar path in that we're transitioning into uh, greater things, so we look forward to it. But, Robbo, your background is in high performance. How did you get an interest in that field? In high-performance sport, I guess... I grew up uh, doing a lot of sport in Cobar in western New South Wales, which is 800 kilometres drive inland from Sydney, very small country town, uh, lots of sporting opportunities in regards to that's what there was for entertainment, yeah. not many sporting opportunities in regards to competitiveness or uh, you know, uh, opportunities in representation or at a higher level, but it was bred into me, I guess, in doing in sport and then... I had the opportunity to uh, – I turned down a few NRL contracts with, towards the end of my school 
and play. decided to play. Yeah, yeah. So, or to not to play in the NRL, but uh, towards the end of school to go and contract with their development squads and then okay. sort of filter through. So, I had to weigh up between that, and I was also doing sprinting and. I had the opportunity to go to the Australian Institute of Sport as a sprinter or to sign on with some of these NRL teams that were offering me uh, opportunities in Sydney and I thought I'll go and do sprinting because I can trial it and if it doesn't work out I can go and play football but if I go and play football and get injured or get you know you beef up to play footy then yep. it's harder to come back to sprinting so that was my mentality. Had an opportunity, went to the AIS for two and a half years as an athlete, um, studied my advanced diploma in soft tissue therapy at the same time my coach there, I was her only able-bodied athlete. She was a Paralympic coach and so I was training with Paralympic champions and Paralympic athletes who were very competitive and my soft tissue therapy uh, course finished and I had the opportunity to travel overseas to the World Championships with the Paralympic sports and I took that opportunity as a therapist and that just sort of gave me a taste of that side of the fence and I guess the rest is history for the past 13 years I've been working in Paralympic sport and other high performance sports so I ended up working in the AFL in different teams in the NRL uh, contracting to the ACT Brumbies as a therapist and for the last six years I've been a full-time sprints and jumps coach for Athletics Australia with Paralympic athletes and I also still contract as a performance therapist so my life has been around sport and there's been a lot of journeys. I travelled as a therapist with wheelchair rugby, the winter snow ski program. Paralympic sport has been a big – high performance Paralympic sport has been a big part of my life. I was an athlete, I was a therapist, I was a coach in the system. So I guess that answers your question it of does. how I got involved. It does, but what, what was the difference in regards to you playing the sport or being the sprinter and going to, I guess, support – the Paralympians and the other athletes. Was there a shift in you that you – because like at some level our ego, all we all want to be the superstars, right? So was there a shift for you to go, no, I really am passionate about developing these people on their journey as opposed to your own journey? What was that – what that subtlety I guess that's a, a question that I've never actually asked myself when I look back to that period of time where there was a there was that turning point I always say and this is what I said at the time I'm taking a break from running yep. and I'm going to take these opportunities in the workforce and just take a break from running I'll come back and I never came back because I knew what it was like to have to train six days a week twice a day and every decision that you make in life around your sleep, around your eating everything just to be a high-performance athlete. I knew what it took. And so to actually come back is a huge commitment and it meant giving up the opportunities that I was that were starting to grow as a therapist. So I think it was less around wanting to develop other people and more around thinking, well, I'm, I'm new to the workforce. These are opportunities that are coming. I've got to take it. I've got to take it. I've got to take it. And I was more... Now that I'm saying it, I realise I was making decisions out of probably the making decisions out of fear as opposed to decisions out of love that I know how to do now. Fear of if I don't take it on now, then the opportunities won't be there. Yep, yep. So then the blocks started to build in this different this different way, and that became your destiny, so to speak, up until that point. Wow, it's like. I mean, I just, I just noticed that subtlety because I've asked myself the same question as a mentor to people and the difficulty that I have personally, and I'm being very vulnerable in saying this, is that I love seeing people do well based on my knowledge but then there's that spark in me that always comes back to going, well, I could do it better. <laughs> and I don't know where that comes from, whether it's a competitive thing. And that's always been my struggle with mentoring. And some people do it exceptionally well, like yourself. And there's other people like me do it exceptionally well for a period of time <laughs> and then you know, catch on to the next thing. So I'm very interested in the mindset as to go, how do you absolutely immerse yourself in that? And you've picked up amazing resources along the way. But... Um, yeah, it just it was an interesting question that um, I just needed to know. So thanks, brother. It's when it's I'm glad you asked that because, like I said, I haven't asked myself those kind of questions. But I actually feel like it's only been in the last three years that I actually get life. I actually understand uh, what I'm here for, and I actually understand how to get the most out of it. And I look before that three years, and I think 
I loved life and I've always been very optimistic lover of life and taken opportunities and just enjoyed life and uh, thrown myself into situations and just it's not just hope for the best, it's really do the work when I put myself out there and um, create accountability and commitment. But having a deeper understanding now of human behaviour and you and I have spoken a lot about neurolinguistic programming, understanding the mind and understanding uh, spirituality and different things like that in the last two and a half, three years and understanding the power of mentors and how to reach out and some of the internships that I've done in America and, and have some amazing mentors all around the world, I feel like, okay, life just began three years ago in regards to that so now I know the power and the leverage and the growth and development that I've got ahead of me when I turned 30 last year so I'm 31 now people were saying oh geez it's all downhill from here oh 30 you're getting old and I was like hang on this is just the beginning absolutely I feel like I'm learning things now that imagine in 10 years time imagine in 20 years time and my end goal is to live till I'm 110 so imagine by the time I get there all the wisdom that I've created just I feel like I'm just scraping the surface of life right now and and it keeps unfolding but I have to ask uh, what was the switch three years ago what connected you into getting that deeper understanding from a mentor capacity i wanted to be the best coach and therapist i could be so i like i said to you i started off being an athlete in the system in the high performance system i then became a therapist and was traveling as a performance therapist within the system i then became a coach and i was a full-time sprints and jumps coach working with the paralympic athletes And I saw a disconnect. So when I was an athlete and I would see therapists behind closed doors at a clinic once or twice a week, they never saw me move out on the track. They didn't see me get out of the car and how I got around uh, my environment. Then when I became a therapist, I would only see athletes behind closed doors or, you know, at the track occasionally when we travel for competitions. It just didn't make sense. When I became a coach and I realised my athletes are only seeing the therapist the therapists aren't seeing what I'm seeing with the athletes. I'm a therapist. Why can't I jump in right now and make a difference and put out these fires before these movement inefficiencies become a niggle or an injury? Why can't I just jump on it now as opposed to book an appointment and have them see the physio or the massage therapist twice a week? And I reached out, found the World Athletic Centre, which is now Altus in Phoenix, and realised that's what they were doing, this performance therapy model where it's trackside therapy. And I went there and did a a two-month internship with some of the world's best therapists, working with some of the world's best coaches and some of the world's best athletes. And I learned there how to integrate my coaching and my therapy at a level that I didn't even know existed. And so I'm really proud now to be able to do that and operate in that space for the last few years where I'll take my treatment table to every session and if I do see some movement inefficiencies, I'll jump onto it straight away because... One, I know it improves performance, but two, I know it um, prevents injury or niggles and things like that. So even that mentality around watching how people move and operate and think uh, and taking that performance therapy model into every aspect of my life. So three years ago, that's where that shifted. But in terms of a bit of a different journey uh, away from sport and really tapping into my, I guess, my inner spiritual sense and and looking at life with a different perspective and opening up the new paradigms. My growing up in Cobar, where I mentioned before, it's a very small community and that's what I love about it. It's a very small, supportive community. Everyone knows each other and, and they pull together at times of need. And my grandparents were two of the most influential and inspirational humans in my life. They weren't just my grandparents. They were like my best friends and they taught me a lot about they taught me what love and respect is because they were happily married for 53 years always loving uh, cuddling kissing smiling uh, and doing it in in front of us and showing me that's the way that you treat each other that's love that's pure love they're teaching me through their actions and we would hang out I did the city to surf with my grandparents and uh, train together Uh, as we got older they would come to some parties and some functions and we could have a few drinks together and enjoy life in that way and my grandfather was my first real athletics coach all through high school and we would travel the countryside together and drive from Cobar to Sydney, drive from Cobar to Adelaide, Cobar to Brisbane and beside me in that vehicle it wasn't my grandfather, it wasn't my coach, it was my idol and my mentor. Yeah. 
and he was that. a fit, active grandfather, and uh, and I just oozed everything he had to offer. And my grandmother taught me so much, like I said, about love and business. They were very successful business people. And while I don't consider myself as a successful business person, I understand the things that they've taught me throughout time to operate as a contractor and the simple things like that. They, they just had everything to offer to the world and I was lucky enough to be their grandchild that they offered it to firsthand. And uh, yeah amazing community members too they taught me everything there was to know about giving back to your community they would start organizations they would support organizations they very big community members two and a half years ago the these two highly influential and inspirational humans being my grandparents they were murdered in their own home back in Coba, and as you could imagine, I've got goosebumps just thinking about it. I've talked about this a lot and that's part so of I. been helping the, the process that you know, I'm comfortable in talking about it. But to lose your greatest idols and mentors and your grandparents and your best friends in an instant and then for it to be through something as horrific as that, it really just just chopped me down and it took me i i started to experiencing heart-wrenching sadness and i was operating in a space that i never knew existed i I didn't know how to control it all of a sudden i would just be crying and emotional and for obvious reasons it's a grieving period but that went on for you know a couple of months and when i was able to get back into the coaching environment i was I was there but I wasn't present. I was still I'm extremely passionate about coaching and I love the relationship that you develop with athletes and I was there to make sure that they were doing the X's and the O's and were getting through the sessions that I knew they needed to, but I wasn't there as a soulful person that I had been previously. I was just not present and I didn't like operating in the world in that way. I'm very grateful that you know, I was working with the Sydney Swans, they offered their psychology services. Uh, working at the New South Wales Institute of Sport, they offered their psychology services. The Australian Institute of Sport, where I'd done my internship uh, previously, my coaching scholarship, they offered their psychology services. And there was one sports psychologist who I'd done some stuff with my athletes and I already knew a bit of a connection. And I it wasn't that I didn't trust anyone else, but I just wanted to go to someone who I could connect with. And in the first session I had with her, she knew the background. She knew how much my grandparents meant to me and we spoke through a few things and I explained to her that I've never lost anyone close to me before and and I explained to her what I was just saying to you, Marty, about those that heart-wrenching sadness and I don't know how to control it and I don't like how I am around people. I want to be myself again. And she said, Robbo, you're going to be more of a whole person after going through this experience. And I just looked at her. And I processed it and then I just smiled. I had the biggest smile on my face and I said, Kate, that is the best thing that you could have ever said to me because every day all I want to do is be a better version of myself so I can help teach other people how to be a better version of themselves. So if I have to look at the worst situation in my life as an opportunity to learn and grow and develop and be the best version of myself, then that's exactly how I'm going to look at it. And that was a turning point in my grieving process and the, the you know the past two and a half years and there's been so many things that have happened off that and that was a real mindset shift and that started to make me question things differently and I did a few sessions with Kate and then all of a sudden it clicked and I thought I rang her up and I said Kate what you're doing is transformational with me what's it called there must be a technique behind this there must teach me what it is I want to learn it in depth and she laughed and she said, you're asking the right questions. It means you're ready. There's a book called uh, The Happiness Trap written by Dr. Russ Harris. Yep. And what I'm using with you is acceptance and commitment therapy. And I think this is a good starting point for you. And I read that book and it transformed me again. It just took me to another deeper level. And that started the cascade of effects then. And then I started... Uh, doing some life coaching and neuro-linguistic programming with a mate and a and an NLP teacher and took me down that rabbit hole and it completely changed my paradigm 
again and so all these things just started happening and it's been you know I've I don't know where to go next. There's so many things to talk about yeah, in the last two and a half I, years. I think I'm just listening because I just can't even ex- think how I would react in that situation. I, I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, I've had a situation with my grandparent and, and much like yourself in one way that I'd never lost anyone close and my grandmother was like my mother to me, like just you know come out of the war very strong woman kept the family together same with granddad they're very entrepreneurs down the market you know (laughs) just just great fun people now they died of natural causes it took me two years to understand that grief because um and it's funny how you meet the right people at the right time like you said that person karen i think her name was you said was kate Kate, sorry she said the right thing at the right time for you and I had a guy by the name of Rob that said something totally different but I, I connected into that because I go, I just never understood how to deal with such a loss because I love them so much and they were gone and they're still a part of me because the DNA and the bloodline, you know, evolves through me. And he said, what makes you think that it's okay to lose them? And I... And that was, for me, that really helped me because it was like I was thinking I should be bouncing back from this. I should, I should be like, you know, better dealing with this. And, and I was getting frustrated because I was grieving for so long. And again, he just said the right thing to me to go, oh, it's okay. It's okay to grieve and they're always a part of my life. And then I could actually start to celebrate all the great things about them. And like you say, you, you utilise that as fuel for, you know, really wanting to be the best version of yourself to honour them. And and I think it's amazing how, you know, in, in some strange, weird ways, we, we got a different message, but it did the same thing for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you talk about wanting to uh, sort of live their legacy and that's what I took on board straight away. And I two of the toughest things that I've ever done were on the same day and one of them was doing a speech at my grandparents' funeral and the other part was carrying my grandfather's coffin. And I get choked up even just talking about it and thinking about that. But what I wrote in that speech was about living living their legacy and I took that on board and, and that's the way that helped me move forward. I want to live their legacy and created my company called Life, Living Intentionally for Excellence and developing and building off that and then I started working with a life coach by the name of Carl and he pulled me up one day and he said Robbo you don't want to live their legacy you want to live your own legacy but why don't you think about enhancing and optimizing your grandparents legacy through living your own and then we did a lot of work around that and that's amazing advice because when you start to unpack that what does that actually mean to enhance and optimize their legacy what does it mean to me and we really broke that down and that's become my purpose part of my purpose in life is to enhance and optimize their legacy and there's so many things i think well they were amazing community members they were amazing business people there's all this this legacy of theirs that i want to enhance and optimize and that's why this uh my journey has taken a bit of a turn you know i've been a a full-time high performance coach for six years i've been in high performance sport from when i was an athlete to now over the last you know 16 years and and i've loved all that but i've actually just now decided next week is my last day um employed with athletics australia i've made the decision to leave my job at my peak to be honest like i've just got back from our paralympic world championships and one of my athletes won three gold medals and broke two world records last year in rio he uh, broke the world record and won a gold medal and my other athletes are hitting pbs and they're on a trajectory ready to hit the the paralympic podiums and i coaches would look at that and think oh you know you're you're at your not at your peak but you're you know you're just bouncing into this high performance world that's amazing you've got a great career ahead of you I'm choosing to give it away because I want to enhance and optimise my grandparents' legacy and I'm getting pulled in a bit of a different direction and and it just so happens to be the podcasting world and that's how we've been connected. And, you know, I created a podcast because I have been addicted to podcasts for the last two years and listening to them and they have completely changed my personal and professional development trajectory through what I've learned and 
I thought I got to a point this year and I thought, well, I have I have gone on a journey with some amazing people who I know can provide an abundance of value through their stories. So why don't we start, why don't I create a podcast, start unpacking their stories, providing that value, very similar to what you're doing, Marty, providing that value to the audience and that becomes uh, my way of moving forward and enhancing and optimising my grandparents' legacy through that. Well, I think it, there always comes those times of transitioning and pivoting in in careers and uh, – I think it's long gone where someone goes into a career for 40 years, but it doesn't matter how many times you pivot, it is still scary. But I believe you're on the you're on the front of the wave and we are on the front of the wave. And the draw forward is immense in regards to expressing ourselves and giving that value. And I know the next five to 10 years with research and data we're getting, we're in the right space. It's just now uh, just fulfilling our prophecy, mate. So it's, uh, it's going to be good. The one thing I have to ask in regards to adversity, and this is, this is something that um, I just want to know the difference on. How did you come to terms in the way your grandparents died? How, how, did, you, how did you get through that in your own mind? The fact is... On both our situations, our grandparents are gone. But yours was through great tragedy. How did you deal with that? Because I know there'd be people out there in that type of position. And how did you work through that? To be honest, that's still not an evolving process because it gets messier beyond what you can imagine. Yep. And it hasn't actually been resolved in court. That was okay. two and a half years ago. It's still going. So... What I learned early on was no one actually told me this but I learned it pretty quickly is that anger doesn't help anything. The, the person who killed my grandparents was their own son. So he was my uncle. He's a family member. So it gets really hard in that way to accept that there's all these crazy things going on and it's easy to be angry at someone for causing the the worst tragedy that you could ever imagine but I realized pretty quickly well that anger is not actually helping me move forward that anger is not helping me uh not just move forward through this uh through the the hard times but helping me move back into the coaching space and be present in every moment anger if I take anger with me anywhere it's not helping anything at all so I just had to move anger aside and I had to work through that and what did you utilise instead? Because it's a really good point. Gratitude. Yeah. I, I started to think about how grateful I am that I had such a close, amazing relationship with my grandparents. I'm so grateful that my grandparents were my best friends. I'm so grateful for every opportunity that we, every minute that we spent together, even, uh, you know, writing gym programs for my grandfather and my grandmother texting me and, uh, you know, all different things like that. Like, I'm just grateful for every moment. And the more time I spend being grateful, the more that creates the energetic um, being that I am and that I'm used to operating and that optimistic lover of life is back within me when I'm operating from a state of gratitude as opposed to that uh, that anger and resentment. It just doesn't take me forward at all and it doesn't help the people around me if I'm anger, uh, angry and resentful. But Brett, I, uh, the one thing I, I take away straight away is the reason why you're successful with athletes is their relationship with you is is the very relationship you have with others. And, and I just go... That's amazing, mate. That, that really is because you, you get that sense of kindness that your grandparents were guiding you with and that's how you operate in the world and that's why you're getting so many doors opening and you've had so many remarkable opportunities with, with athletes and, and, and I go, that uh, you know, is a direct representation. You're already living that, that legacy in your own way but it's there, it's just unfolding. So I just go... I mean, that chokes me up because I go, I know at some level, listening to you talk, I'm, I'm having that same experience with my grandparents on a on this, you know, similar level. So I think that uh, – and I think that's a part of in business why I've been successful in certain areas as well is because of that dynamic of relating to people beyond the theory, <laughs> beyond the theory, really connecting to people and caring for people on a level that maybe they don't always get elsewhere. And I think those dots are wonderfully joined into a good picture. So it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk like that. Well, you, you touch on empathy and compassion. 
And they're two attributes that you should approach every situation with. And it's really hard, but if you approach everything with empathy and compassion, then that's an energetic state you can operate from and respond rather than react. So, for example, if something bad happens to you or if someone treats you like crap or if someone is doing things that you know, that's just so bad for them. If you approach them in that reactive way of, hey, you're doing the wrong thing, wake up to yourself, then they're defensive and reactive as well. But if you approach them with empathy and compassion and and you meet them at that level and you start to – you're not feeling sorry for them. You're just being empathetic compassionate trying to understand their situation and then you have your value to offer in that so empathy and compassion is the way that you can the energetic state you can take with you anyway well, well Brett, that's the that's the foundation in in regards to the connection with people now how do you like i mean people can tend to be fixers as well you know what i mean so empathy and compassion is a great foundation to launch from now how do you go from that to getting an athlete to really get the best out of themselves because now there's a logical process and a practice process where people have to go for the prize and win that gold medal. They've got the trust based on the empathy, compassion. How do you now drive that? Is it because of the trust they can listen to your guidance and they, they can fall back on that trust to really then execute? What's that transition into that? That's that's. I don't think there's a a clear transition in terms of being able to see across the line. I think the best way to think about it is it's it's a process. Yeah, life is a process. Yep. Everything that you approach in high performance sport is a process. We've developed the foundation that you spoke about. But then we've got to develop the physical foundations and correct movement patterns, basic strength, basic movement, things like that. All we've got all the trust there. We're doing all that work, but we understand it's a step by step process. So. It's important to set our goals and our visions for the athletes and say this is where we want to get to but breaking it down, how are we actually going to get there and you come right back to the beginning and say well actually for you to be the best in the world and then be the best in the world consistently, you need to be moving better than anyone else. You need to be stronger, you need to be faster, you need to be more mentally resilient than anyone. So let's just break all those sections down and work on those individually. Let's teach you how to walk properly before we teach you how to run properly, before we teach you how to run fast properly. So it it really is about breaking it down and understanding that it's a a process. Everything, every day, every decision is in line with your goals and your bigger visions. You're not just trying to leap towards that. You're actually putting things in place to take it. So you're micromanaging everything from science to nutrition to to really every component of – executing on that vision of being the best in the world. Absolutely. And the good thing about high-performance sporting environments that I've worked in at the Australian Institute of Sport, New South Wales Institute, everything, that there's good teams around you too. So we have uh, psychologists, we have sports nutritionists, we have good managers, we have uh, strength and conditioning coaches and things like that. But the way that I've operated as a coach is to try – not to try but to actually implement as much of that as I can – based on and and then tap into those other resources to maybe take it to the next level or fill a gap that I can't fill and things like that because the really unique thing about coaching is is that relationship that you develop with an athlete and they come to you with so much trust imagine someone comes up to you Marty and says I have the goal to be the best in the world at something and I and you're going to get me there you are the one that's going to get me there you're the one that's going to spend the most time with me to help me achieve that goal. I understand that we're going to tap into some other resources, but I'm trusting you to make me the best in the world. I know what skills I've got to offer and, and the ways to strengthen that develop and develop that relationship. And it's become a lot too from my mentors. Irina Dovaskina is one of the most, is the most, the world's most successful Paralympic track and field coach. And she's Eastern Ukrainian and has, sorry, Eastern um European from the Ukraine and she's that mindset of just pure excellence and I will I'll go to war for my athletes like she has taught me a lot of that sort of stuff and I'm nowhere near that level but I understand that the more that I can give to my athletes from every aspect of my life and just I'll be vulnerable to my athletes too to make them trust me even more so yes it's every little avenue um, but one thing that I've learned and it's really come become apparent over the past few years is 
it all starts with the mind. It all starts with the mind. You can, I can make you very strong. I can make you very fit, very fast. I can make you very efficient. I can treat you to make sure we're putting out those little fires and you're not getting niggles or injuries or anything like that. But if I can't make you mentally tough, mentally resilient, then the biggest piece of the puzzle is missing. So it all starts with the mind. And that's what uh, when this journey that I told you about before that opened up the doors for NLP and um, functional neurology coaching and life coaching, acceptance and commitment therapy, the deeper I got into that and would teach that through my athletes as well. So not only am I learning it and getting myself through life situations, I'm teaching it to my athletes in a sporting context. And my coaching philosophy has always been that I want to make my athletes better people and that in turn will make them better athletes. And over the last few years, I've really felt that I'm, I'm on board with that more than ever because the mental training side of things, the things that I can teach them to help them become mentally resilient in every aspect of their life and to approach with that empathy and compassion and for them to take that on board and watch them grow as human beings, that, that is phenomenal. And then all of a sudden that goes into their sport and that's why they become world's best athletes. So do you find that um, there are consistent mental adversities that come up, particularly with the Paralympians, that come up that need to be dealt with or is it just different for every individual based on what they've lived through? It's very individual but what you'll find is in pockets. So you might find that with cerebral palsy athletes, they have come through school being bullied about their disability. So they come with a bit of mental baggage, I call it, in terms of uh, that feeling of I'm not good enough or that feeling of I've got to do this to prove everyone wrong. I've been bullied through school about my disability. So there's a lot of mental baggage there to work through. So that that takes a different approach uh, to... So how would you take them through that? If, if, some, if someone came to you with that, what's, what's the steps you do to get them through that? It's now that's where it becomes very individual because I know how people operate and what's going to resonate with them and and what where can I start with this person? Do I have to start at the very basics or can I approach this person and go straight into teaching them about the filters model and that they have the power to control all the thoughts that come into their mind and do I break into their story straight away? As you know through the work that we do as as mentors and life coaches that people create these stories in their mind. Yes, they've been bullied externally but that person has the opportunity then to say, hmm, that's unfortunate that person thinks that of me but I actually know that I'm a decent human being and I actually have a desire to be the best in the world. It doesn't matter what that person tells me. Or has that, that person with cerebral palsy created a story of, oh, shit, I've, I'm, that bully's right. That person that is telling me that I'm useless, I'm worthless, I've got nothing to offer to the world, that person is right. And so when you get into a difficult situation, that's what arises. I'm, oh, I'm useless. I'm, or the bullies always tell me I'm useless. Everything I do, I'm hopeless at. So whatever the story is that they've created. So you've really got to unpack where that person's at, what their understanding is and which way you can dive in. There's no blueprint as you know, yep. with any human, so it's the same in, in sports. Well, I guess I guess there's a there's another level of, of working through that what really is a limitation based on a particular disability, and then what is the mental <laughs> disability that might might be holding them back that might not be real. So I guess there's there's a complexity there which would be really interesting to work through with a person. That I guarantee when they win that gold medal would uh... <laughs> exactly. And then you've got amputees and what what level uh, you know was that person born as an amputee or did they go through massive adversity later in their life? Scotty Reardon, who is episode number three on my podcast, was 12 years old. Shoelace was undone. Got caught in the back of a rotating piece of a tractor on his farm in Tamora. Chopped his leg off. Almost lost his life. Uh, was airlifted to hospital by Snowy Hydro Southcare, turned that around pretty quickly, became water ski world champion twice and is now double Paralympic champion, uh, Paralympic world champion and Paralympic champion last year. And, you know, he to get him to that point and the work that Irina Dovaskina has done with him is 
different to the work that I've got to do with the cerebral palsy athletes that have been bullied at school. And I started working with an amputee athlete uh, in Canberra about seven years ago, six years ago, and he just lost his leg on in a jet ski accident. He was in the army but not not doing anything in service but he was on the back of a jet ski and they were towing a skier and the skier fell off and the rider of the jet ski turned really sharp to go back and pick him off. Uh, My athlete Nath flipped off the back and uh, the ski rope wrapped around his leg and the jet ski kept riding to pick up the guy that had stacked it, not realised he was towing Nath behind him on the jet ski flat out and... And then he went back to pick up Nath and Nath said, oh man, my foot hurts, put his leg up, his foot wasn't even there. The ski rope had pulled that tight that it just chopped his leg off through the middle of his tibia so his, his foot and ankle wasn't even there. Gee. And I started coaching him pretty instantly and we couldn't get him to walk because there's a lot of information through stumps. So we're doing some stuff in the pool, we do a lot of water running, things like that. I got him to do some hypoxic breathing stuff under the water and he came up looking like a ghost. And I just said to him, mate, are you all right? And he said, I probably should have told you this beforehand, but when I lost my leg, I almost drowned when I was being dragged by the jet ski. And this is the first time I've put my head underwater since then. And I said, I just took a deep breath and I said, Nath, I'm so sorry. I didn't even know that part of your story. And he said, no, no, no. It's now my goal to be able to swim this pool underwater. I want to be able to conquer that goal. So that became one of our goals. What an amazing mental attitude. Exactly, exactly right. So then, you know, back to your question, how do you approach it? Well, it's situational and that's why I, I say that the most powerful thing in the world is the human mind and every one of us has that. So why not understand it at the deepest level that you can because you take it with you everywhere. You can operate at the best level by the deeper understanding that you had of, of how the mind works and you can help other people in those situations. So you're, it becomes a toolbox. As you know from the NLP stuff you've done, what you learn, it doesn't mean you have to get out and do a session with someone and just go, this is NLP, bang, how exciting is that? It's What's your situation? Okay, you know within you what the tool belt is. I can pull out modeling. I can pull out uh, the filters model. I can I can talk to them about when I do the acceptance and commitment therapy stuff. It's super powerful. So back to that every individual basis. And what I've learned more about also is now that I'm mentoring and doing life coaching away from athletes and away from high performance sport and dealing with real life situations with people and seeing them transform. That's me being proud. Okay, that's because I've had a tool belt that I've invested into over the years and I can use those tools in any situation with any human. Are you a Paralympic athlete? Are you uh, you know, a cerebral palsy athlete? Are you someone who has barely done much sport in life but you want to take your life to the next level let's talk let's create an action plan let's create your visions and take you towards the life that you want to live it's inspirational how how do you work through adversity as a sports person to get to that elite level though there must be there must be certain i'm thinking like in business there's like hurdles in business that you hit at certain stages and I gather if you haven't achieved a gold medal yet, then the, you're going to hit some hurdles getting there. Are there consistent trends of adversity in mindset where people question themselves that yes. to get to that higher level? Yes, but no. I would say yes, it's all the same, but no because it's not identified as the same. So what do I mean by that? you know, well, what is adversity too? So everyone has different forms of adversity. Maybe someone getting an injury in sport and they can't play the rest of the season or can't compete for the rest of the season. That's the biggest adversity they've ever suffered or whether it is losing your leg and almost losing your life, whatever the adversity in life is. But when you're talking about in sport, I think the best way to think about I can't speak for the way that it happens. I don't know the way that most high-performance athletes, most high-performance psychologists, most high-performance coaches are actually operating. But what I do know is that they're obviously all utilising the very similar tool belt and pulling out, plucking out things at the right time. Because when you see people come through and you hear them give reports to the media and you, you start to tune into that language. But what I've learned, the it, it's all about everything is about mindset. So the the best mindset to have to get through adversity is – Okay, you've got to have a grieving period of adversity, whether it is an injury, whether it is not winning the gold medal when you've poured everything into it. Let yourself grieve. Like take 
five to seven days or a couple of weeks, whatever it is, and just really ride out that emotion and be pissed off at yourself or be disappointed if you didn't achieve what you set out to achieve or feel that heart-wrenching sadness like I spoke about before. But then then take a, take a uh, accountability and say, that's actually not helping me. That's really unhelpful to take me towards my goals and visions. I've, I've experienced that. I realise that that um, emotion isn't taking me in the right direction. So now I need to go uh, just stop feeling sorry for myself, stop going through that grieving period and step forward. And how do I do that? The best advice I can give to people, regardless of the ver- adversity experience you have in your life, is think this. Nothing ever happens to you. It only ever happens for you. When I, the biggest tragedy in my life that I spoke to you about just before, when I started to think about it in that way, okay, this didn't happen to me, it happened for me. So how can I use this situation to the worst situation in my life to become the best situation in my life? In sports people, I say with an injury and you say, well, okay, so you've had an injury and you can't compete for the rest of the season, you're missing out on your Olympic dream go through that adversity period, go through that grieving period and then let's just snap out of that and think, well, this didn't happen to you, it happened for you. Yeah. What can we work on? This is an opportunity to strengthen your other areas and that might be a mental weakness, that might be something physically that we haven't had a chance to work on because we've been training, training, training for this goal but now all of a sudden that we can't train towards that. So let's work on this weakness that we know is there that we haven't had a chance to work on. So let's think about it in terms of this is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Let's make it the best thing that's ever happened to you. That in itself should make you start to ask questions and look for answers elsewhere, knock on doors uh, of different people and and start to, like we were talking about earlier before we started recording around the modelling thing, well, who else has had this injury? Who else has suffered this adversity? How did they get through it? What have they learned from it? And start to, uh, you know, ask yourself questions and learn in that way. In regards to now you've coached a gold, you know, gold medalist, is there a is there an X factor that you see in the people that actually achieve their goals? Because so many great athletes miss out by, you know, 0.05, one second. Is there something you can pick with, with someone that actually wins a gold medal that's a point of difference in their attitude or the way they approach things from what you've seen now that... Yes, the it comes back to mindset and that yep. it, it's absolutely mental resiliency is a bit of a buzzword and what does it mean it can mean so much and unpacking and i had dan paff on the podcast and he said you were listening to that and he's coached olympic gold medalists and world champions for decades and he unpacks mental resiliency like you'll never understand it before and that's from 45 years as a coach but also he's working to uh the um the military and things like that so what it, what it all comes down to is just that mindset. And what I see is, so my direct athlete, James Turner, who won three gold medals at this recent World Championships, he's had a pretty sharp trajectory and he's a talented athlete that's come into the sport and it's happened, I wouldn't say easy, we've done a lot of work, but it's happened quickly. What I think you'll learn uh, more from is someone like Scotty Ridden that I spoke about before or someone like Kurt Fernley who have been in the sport for years and years and years and dedicated and grinded and grinded and made, I don't like to say sacrifices, they've made choices to get them to that podium. And Scotty Ridden's seven-year journey of when he went Paralympic skiing world champion and then he decided, I want to give athletics a crack. So he went from top of the world as a world uh, water skier, went to the bottom of the barrel as a track and field athlete had to learn how to walk and run on a blade. It took him seven years to become Paralympic champion again in another sport. Can you imagine that where you go from the top and you choose then to go be at the bottom of the barrel? I can absolutely imagine that. <laughs> That's similar to what we're exactly. the journey we're both on. Like I just, just talked about. That. Yeah, I've quit my job and I'm sort of at the top there, winning gold medals. Actually, as I question you and that, I realise shit, I'm doing that right now. So I better listen to what I'm saying here. But uh, it, it all comes down to mindset and the most, the consistent. So model model the consistent high achievers, not the one-offs, not the yep. people you think might be lucky. And what I see with James Turner is that he's about to be a consistent world champion and a Paralympic champion and he's on the start of his journey in that way. He will absolutely 
break himself physically to know to get the best result. He knows that at the end of an 800 metres or at the end of the 400 in London it even happened that when he crosses the line, he has used that much energy that his cerebral palsy goes into spasm he's on the ground and he can't breathe and it sounds torturous but I've worked with neurologists to make sure I'm not declining his life quality. Trust me, I've spent a lot of time with the neurologist but he knows that he'll get to a certain point in the race and that's where people, the pain barrier kicks in. So you and I will get to 600 metres of an 800 and we're like, whoa, this is tough. I'm just going to ease off a bit because it's just going to burn me. And he feels it and says, whoa, this is tough. I'm going the next gear. I'm burying myself to get that world record, to get that gold medal. I don't care that my body feels pain. I'm mentally stronger than that and I'll just ignore that pain and just bury myself. That's what I see in people that are consistently the world's best. That's what I see in your Scotty Riddens, your Kurt Fernleys. That's what I see in the world's best tennis players, your Roger Federer, in that internal of this is a long, drawn-out five-hour game and I'm physically exhausted but mentally I can overcome this. And they find their best in that moment. Exactly. And it, it's not like it just happens. Yeah. There's a lot of work and processes yeah. but it's just that switch and – I haven't got it physically. I, I train hard now and I train really hard and I get to the point I'm like, all right, I'm done. Because I don't have that desire to be the best in the world at that. But those guys, they're in tune with it. That's what they, from the moment that they wake up to the moment that they go to bed and the eight or 10 hours in between that, every decision, every part of their life is towards that end goal to be the best in the world. So if you get out there and you've got that little pain barrier, and you don't overcome that mentally, then what's the point of the every other second of the day that you've actually dedicated towards that end goal? That's fantastic. I'll be applying that to my yoga tomorrow. <laughs> day, yes. <laughs> when, yeah. when I'm struggling with a downward dog, I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm just going to push it to the next level because there's a bigger picture at play. No, that's a, that's a tremendous attitude and great insight in regards to how these people step up through those moments where most people are exhausted and pull back to step through it and take that next step to get the most out of them. I think that that in itself is just inspirational that they have that much control over their mind and they're so mentally strong. I mean, that's just Well, from a coaching incredible. perspective, and I've said this before, that uh, the 800 metres that James completed in Rio and he broke the world record and he won, he was miles ahead at the 200 to go, 150 to go. When he was running down the home straight, everyone knew he was going to win it and they were going crazy. I did not cheer i was standing there nervous thinking anything can happen his cerebral palsy can kick in he can fall over i know what pain he's in right now in this last 150 meters i know the pain that he's pushing through to get to that finish line he went over the finish line and he fell to the ground he's having these big spasms and he just curled up and he was in agony everyone that was cheering for him was now like oh my god is he okay when he was in that state I was cheering. That's when I went crazy and went, yes, he did it. I've seen him like that at training every day. I know that it's not affecting his long-term health and I know that he achieved that goal. But I couldn't cheer until I saw that because uh, the unknown. But I knew I could – I think back now and I see – people see James Turner running down the straight and I've got my eyes closed when I think about this. I'm taking myself right back to that moment. I see a, a mind that is so – so well controlled in that moment and we did a lot of work he's one of the guys and he speaks openly we did a facebook live the other day where he got completely vulnerable about all his um, mental health issues so he'd be happy about me speaking about this but we did so much work from him mentally to get him um, that belief and that strength and that I am good enough feeling, I had to piece all that together because I knew once he's on the track, he already had that established pushing through that pain barrier mental strength. So when I look at that now, I just it's like a, a, a just this mental, um, this brain that is coming around the bend and running down the straight and I see the mental acuity and it's all dialed in at the right time for the right reasons. And that to me is I was so proud – when he gave us a speech after London just recently when he won three gold medals and he talked about all the work that uh, coach Brett Robbo and I had done in the mental space and I thought, he gets it. He gets it. Yes, we did all the physical work. Yes, we knew that he could achieve it physically but he gets it, that he can regurgitate it and understand all this mental training that we've done 
And that, that in itself is a stepping stone for him to excel in every area of his life. Yeah, and that's, um, that's also important. It's like you say, you can be very successful in one area of your life and I've definitely experienced that. And on a smaller scale, I always remember driving out to see clients at about 8 p.m., and everyone driving home having dinner with their families and just reminding myself of the bigger vision and going I'm willing to do what most people would not do and 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 sometimes they'd be 11 p.m appointments now that's not always sustainable but when you're young and you have a vision and you want to achieve something I I tell you why I steeled myself and it yeah it's just one of those things it's, it's really hard to describe people have said you know you've consistently had success in businesses and what is that attribute? And the attribute to me is having a vision of what I wanted to achieve, but also putting in that time, effort, and like you say, personal development, self-education, but doing those actions that most weren't prepared to do. Probably where I lack is the efficiencies. I think I could have done that smarter, and that comes with age. And probably good guidance as well. The mentors I had were very driven as well, <laughs> and and it's but it, it, it's great to hear that. Do the and they their vision is the gold medal. Yeah, and I think it varies uh, for each person. But the the very unique thing about elite athletes is that yes, that's their vision, and or it's their vision to be the best version of themselves, and they know that yep. PBs. And some people might know, okay if you're competing against Usain Bolt like he got beaten just recently but not because he got he didn't no one ran faster than his time he just wasn't in shape and he got beaten by not being in shape but when he's in shape he was miles ahead so when you're Michael Johnson's a prime example through his career he was always miles ahead and I heard him talk a few years ago and how do you go to training every day and every competition you know I'm going to win this race People are not faster than me. I'm, I'm metres and metres ahead of them, over 200, over 400. I know I'm going to win this race. How do you turn up to training every day and be your absolute best? You set a goal. You set that goal to be – I'm not out there to beat my competitors. I'm out there to beat myself. Every single session, every single event, every single competition, I have to be a better version of myself. I'm already the world record holder, Michael Johnson would say, but I want to beat that world record. I want to be the best version of myself every time I step out onto the track. So, yes, the bigger vision for a lot of athletes might be the gold medal or it might just be to be that best version. So I know that every time I go to training, I've got to put in the best version that I have on that day that all works towards PB, so personal best performances. In uh, it's great insight in, uh, into the mind of a champion and, and thank you for sharing it. Now, I've got to call you on this in regards to you're going to live to 110 years, right? And, and I'm going to be running when I'm 110. And you're going to be running when you're 110. And I'm sure I'll be doing yoga at 110 just to keep you know, us accountable. <laughs> but what, looking back, what would, you, what would you hope to have achieved? You're making it to 110. What, what will be your own legacy? It's a tough question that I'm quite clear on, to be honest. And it's Great. because I've done a mission statement. So working with my life coach, who's a functional neurology expert, functional medicine expert. And he said, he taught me one day how to write, write your mission statement based on what people will say about you, either at your funeral or at your 110th birthday. And it took me weeks for that. He set out some questions to help me unpack it and to help me sort of shape it. But one day I got home and it just clicked and I sat down and I just wrote, 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 wrote like two pages and it was euphoric. It was just, and I looked at it and I read it a couple of times and I thought, wow, it's not if those people are going to be saying that about me, it's that's what people are saying about me at my 110th birthday. And you, I'll give you the answer because I've never been asked the question, but so I've never really talked about it. But for me, I will be the most giving person that anyone has ever come across. I am, and this is what I wrote down, I'm redefining what giving actually means. One of my top core values is giving is living and giving, 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 giving. And it's not about giving money. It's not about giving time. It's about just giving value. Uh, giving whatever you do have to give and, and 
sometimes it is time, sometimes it is money because I know that that's what will make a difference. That's what will make an impact. That can be my ripple effect. So at my 110th birthday, uh, after I go for a run, and I don't know how far it'll be. Someone said to me just recently, actually, how far are you going to run on your 110th birthday? I said, I don't know. It might just be running to the dunny, but I'll be (laughs) – the reason I say I want to run at my 110th birthday is because I don't want to just live till I'm 110 and say, yeah, I got there. I want to live every day of my life from now until then. I want to enjoy it and I want to be mobile and I want to be uh, mental. Mental clarity is super important to me. I want to feel that and experience in that every day of my life until I'm 110. And from a movement perspective, if I say I've got to be running when I'm 110, that I have to make decisions every day of my life towards that rather than just saying, oh, it doesn't matter if I spend the last 30 years in a um, just crippled and I'm getting around as long as I make that 110. No, that doesn't interest me. I want to be mentally alert. I want to be physically active and I want to be contributing and giving every day of my life, giving, giving, giving. That's, uh, that's absolutely inspirational, actually. That's a great process to live life by. What a great process. It's like you've got an actual torchlight shining up to 110. That's the image I'm getting in my head, this torchlight shining towards that 110 and just this, this wonderful energy through that with purpose. I mean, it's, um, it's incredible. Most people would never think of that to that degree. And I, I just think that's, a, that's remarkable in itself, Brett. But if people want to find out more about you, more importantly now, where do they find you? Where do they go? I would direct people uh, online to my website now is yourlifeofimpact.com and you can get a lot of information there and even be linked to my podcast. The most, the thing that I'm most proud of in my life right now, apart from my amazing relationship with my gorgeous fiance and a lot of other things, my athletes' results is the launch of this podcast, Your Life of Impact, because I just told you that uh, at my 110th birthday, people are going to be celebrating uh, the fact that I've redefined giving. I see this podcast as a platform of giving. So my goal with the podcast is to provide an abundance of value to at least hundreds of thousands of people around the world. So it's all about giving value, giving value, giving value. So I ask people to jump on this journey uh, in, in this amazing podcasting journey that you're aware of and experiencing yourself because uh, you know, I want to create a community of impactors and I'm interviewing uh, impactors in their communities. The community work keeps coming up because I'm enhancing and optimizing my grandparents' legacy who were the biggest community members in Cobar. Now, I didn't mention you know, 3,000 people turn up to their funeral. There's 5,500 people that live in town. They were huge community members. So I have this vision of creating a community of impactors and being that giving platform for people and exactly how that will shape out with all the opportunities that come off it. I'm not sure, but I'm excited about it. My deeper why of enhancing and optimizing my grandparents' legacy will take me there. The how is yet to come. So Sorry, in answer to your question, people can find me on yourlifeofimpact.com and please join the journey of the podcast and continue to follow people like yourself. And I started off the chat saying I'm grateful to be here and I'm extremely grateful to be here because your podcasting platform, Marty, is giving me this opportunity to give back to your community. And I would hope that even if there's one thing they learn from this and inspired by from this to take action, you said the action word before, that's the most important thing because it's that saying of it doesn't knowledge isn't power applied knowledge is power so we can sit here and educate the community till the cows come home and there's few cows around too so they'll come home soon (laughs) but uh the the power is not in the education that we give them the power is in the action that they take to towards their goals and visions absolutely and that's a great message to end up on brett robbo robinson Thank you for being remarkable. But more importantly, thank you for being you and being so honest about your journey. And that's what it's all about, being as authentic as we can be, adding value to the community. And I'm sure there's more than one thing you might be able to take out of this one. So until next time, I hope you enjoyed the show. I know you would have. Bye for now. What a champion guy Brett Robbo Robinson is. Just so honest and just some amazing strategies to deal with such adversity in his own life and to create a legacy not only for his grandparents but his own legacy on what he wants to take to the world and I'm fascinated to look back 
you know, when we're 10 years down the track because I just think this guy's going to be a household name. No pressure, Brett. <laughs> it's always enlightening listening back to yourself as a great reflection tool. If you're serious about developing a resilient and winning mindset to achieve any goals and visions in your life, reach out to me at yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash coaching or email me directly at brett at lifeintentional.com.au. I'm honored to have had this time with Marty and I'm very interested to stay connected with him on his podcasting journey because in the chat we had before this interview, we had some great ideas and his business skill sets and understanding of human behavior will allow him to achieve his audacious visions. Check out Marty's podcast that's called The Marty Vids Show, which I'll also have linked in the show notes. And the awesome episode that I told you about in the intro that I absolutely loved with Trevor Hendy is number 19. If you like this episode, please jump onto your podcast app and give us a five-star review. This helps immensely for me to be able to continue delivering value to you. It doesn't matter what app you're using, whether it's Apple Podcasts, which is formerly known as iTunes Podcast, whether it's Podcast Addict or Stitcher or whatever it is. You guys subscribing and downloading each episode is what keeps this podcast alive. And also, please share with your friends, your family, your community, and everyone you believe will benefit from this podcast. Don't forget to give me your feedback on what you loved and what you want to hear more of, so what value I can help bring into your reality. Reach out to us on social media, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Life for Excellence. That's at L-I-F-E-F-O-R-X-L-N-S. And you can also find us at yourlifeofimpact.com. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.